Welcome to a brand new episode of Cup of EO, the tea break sized podcast that gets to the heart of the important topics in the world of voiceover. Expect candid stories, top tips, and sage advice as I chat with expert guests who are at the top of their game in the voiceover industry. I'm your host, Kimberly Parker, tea addict and VOpreneur. And this week, I'll be spilling the tea on agents. How do they work? And do you actually need one? You need to have the self-direction and self-belief. And I think it's really important to do that before you go straight for an agency. Do you really need an agent? There are countless videos, articles and conference talks about how to get agency representation, but not many asking whether you actually need it or not. It's my mission today to find out whether you do. I had someone ask me a great question recently, whether they should keep their agent of two years, despite that agent not getting them any work in that time, and yet they require a percentage fee of any work that that talent secures themselves. Now, it's worth noting that this person is based in the US, and things work slightly differently over there compared to the UK when it comes to fees and exclusivity. My initial reaction would be to say that two years is quite a long time not to receive any potential work opportunities. You would expect to receive some auditions with them within that time. Something for this person to consider is how many people are on your agency's roster. If we're talking hundreds, then it's going to be more difficult to stand out. Sometimes it's better to be a big fish in a small pond, if you know what I mean. I'm based in the UK and I know that the US works differently in many ways when it comes to agency representation. For example, you can have a manager and an agent in the US, whereas in the UK we tend to just have agents that do both the casting and rate or contract negotiation. In the US, you also have the union and non-union differentiation, which impacts the total fees because of healthcare, insurance and other things that thankfully don't affect us here in the UK. Not yet, anyway. For the sake of clarity, I'm going to focus on the UK market, and I thought a good place to start would be to set out the different types of partnership options voiceovers have. It doesn't just begin and end with voiceover agents. We all know the benefits of being represented by an agency, industry knowledge and expertise, existing relationships with clients, audition opportunities, contract and rate negotiation, and admin support but you can find similar benefits outside of voiceover agencies. There are some companies out there that market themselves as agencies, but definitely aren't. It's best to figure this out before you get involved, so you don't get shortchanged or restrict yourself unnecessarily with who you put yourself out to. So we've got voiceover agencies, voiceover bureaus, voiceover casting services, P2P sites and production companies. Some of these also cast for voices. Let's start with voiceover agencies. There are lots of them and they fall into one of two categories, exclusive or non-exclusive. What this means is that you are either exclusively represented by them, just for voiceover and just in the UK, or for non-exclusive, you're free to be represented by other agencies too. What's interesting is that a lot of VOs don't realise that exclusivity is based on your location. So if you're living in the UK and are offered an exclusive contract with a UK agency, you're free to be represented by multiple agencies in other countries. Similarly, you are automatically considered non-exclusive when you are represented by an agency outside of your country of residence. There is also exclusive versus non-exclusive ways of working to consider. 
A common misconception is that if you're with an exclusive agency, that any work you get, whether through that agency or not, they take a commission on. This mostly isn't true. You should only have to pay an agency commission or fee if they source the work for you. Next, you've got non-exclusive agencies. These account for a much larger percentage of the UK voiceover agencies. And while they also tend to have larger rosters, they also on the whole take a slightly bigger percentage fee. If you're with more than one non-exclusive agency, you might receive the same audition brief more than once, in which case I would suggest auditioning only for one of them, to avoid any awkwardness or time-wasting by duplicating auditions. And then we have voiceover casting and P2P sites, which may sound the same to the untrained ear, but be aware they are quite different. As someone who has registered and experimented with quite a few voiceover casting services and P2P sites, It took me a long time to find the right balance of human interaction, fair and respectable fees, fair commission rates and ethical practice. And I can now say that I'm very happy with who I'm represented by. A voiceover casting service will often produce the video or audio for the end client. So, similar to a bureau, they work on behalf of the end client and have enough demand for voices to justify a casting service. Unlike bureaus though, their voiceover rosters tend to be kept hidden and not published online. It's worth looking for casting services outside of the UK as well, as many of them will look for English voices for translation projects, as well as for alternate versions of projects where English is a main or secondary language. I'm keen to find out what my VO colleagues think. Are agents necessary? Do they have agency representation themselves? And if so, what's their working relationship like and how much work do they get from them? Introducing in order of appearance, Alexia Kombu, Abby Phillips, Ant Hewson, Jen Lawton-Hunt, Sam Boffin and Lizzie Jobling. I've included more information about all of them in the show notes, so be sure to check those out after the episode. Um, so I have a really good relationship with my agent. We have an open discussion about where I see my career going. They know what genres I like to work in and what genres I, I am good at. And so that would be the, the, the kind of work that I focus on and that they, they focus on putting me up for. And I think it's really important for your agents to know a lot about you as a, as a voice actor and your abilities, your strengths, and to kind of, you know, carve out a pathway of, of knowing your goals and how you can kind of get there together. Um, it's a partnership. It's not something where someone has any power over anyone. It's a, it's a relationship. It's a working relationship. And you need to, to be able to get on. You need to be able to have conversations. You need to be open and honest with each other. Um, and if you don't connect or have any kind of rapport with your agent, then maybe they're not right for you. You definitely want to be working with someone who you like and you respect and admire. Um, and I do with my, I do feel that way about my agents. Um, I would say they're a great string to have to your bow. Um, different people have different contracts and agreements with their agents, so it's quite hard to to kind of give advice on this sort of thing because it's a very individual. Uh, kind of process for each voiceover artist. So some people might have exclusivity contracts where they can't work with anyone else, um, or they can't, you know they can't be represented by anyone else. Some people are non-exclusive where they can have other representation. They can kind of 
you know, have their fingers in lots of pies kind of thing. Um, I am only, I am only represented by one agent in the UK. And also some agents, you know, they're fine for you to be on, on P2P sites and find your own work that way. Some agents are not, not okay with that. Um, it's, it's something you need to address before being represented by them if you are seeking representation. If you're with an agent already, maybe just clarify with them um, and see just to make sure you're, you're doing things correctly. Well, um, I actually didn't have an agent until 2019. So I've only had an agent for four years. Um, so for the first 10 years of my uh, voicing career, I relied solely on work that I found myself. Um, so I've been full time now for seven years, seven or eight years, something like that. Um, and for the first three, three and a half years of that, I, I sourced all of my work myself. However, having an agent is obviously brilliant because you can cast your net a bit wider. So you, you then get access to jobs or uh, potential auditions that you wouldn't necessarily have access to yourself because a lot of companies and clients like to go to the agent um, because the agent does the hard graft for them, so they find the the right voices for them. Or they go to an agency because if you're repped by a reputable agent, they know that you're a professional. But having said that, I don't think it is necessarily completely essential um, because I did very well myself without an agent. You can't really go into voiceover thinking, right, I'm going to go into it and I'm immediately going to make this much per year and I'm going to be this successful and I'm going to get this many ads and I'm going to... You have to take each day and work really, really hard on every project that you do and not take any of it for granted and definitely keep training all the time. You need to have the self-direction and self-belief. And I think it's really important to do that before you go straight for an agency. I think you need to show them that you can do it yourself, but that you just want them to sort of boost you up a bit. OK, um, I am um, repped by excellent talent who are lovely. Um, I have uh, they are a small part of my income, however, and I think that's probably true for an awful lot of voice actors there must be a lucky few who still manage to get all their work through their agent but I don't think that's the way overall the industry works anymore so in terms of generating work I think there's it's it's a balance between the odd P2P and the only P2P I have ever touched is um Bidalgo and I've had good good jobs uh, from them but again the number of auditions and stuff that, that now appear for every job is huge since the pandemic so I very rel rarely actually audition for anything on there now some work comes through referral you know because you know more people and you do more work for more clients and they might recommend you to someone else so there's that kind of organic growth or if not growth then oh thank god I've got a job <laughs> you know what I mean um and and the rest of it is going to be the sort of the 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 outreach stuff, isn't it? Um, email marketing, cold calling. I don't have an agent currently, and it's something that I'm seeking out. Obviously, not anybody, but you know, particular agents that I would love to work with. 
And for me, I'm really interested in doing video games and doing more video games and animation. And I think agents are still hold a lot of that work. And also agents are just brilliant. You know, in terms of their negotiating, they have a whole set of skills that we don't necessarily have as voiceover artists. So I am definitely pro-agent, though I would say that it does feel like agents are the cherry on top for a lot of work that we do. So much of our work, it needs to be finding it ourselves, making those connections ourselves, building a client list, P2Ps, if that's your way, you know, doing those auditions and finding the bulk of your work. And I think this is probably the case for the vast majority of voice actors out there, that it's finding your own work is the main part of your income. And then obviously you've got these beautiful roles that the agents are bringing in that hopefully you get as well, which are the cherry on top. So I do think it's possible for people to have a career without an agent. I'm not convinced that you will necessarily get the very high-end work without an agent. So it really depends where you want to function within the voiceover industry. I mean, I grew up in an agency world. I cannot understand why somebody wouldn't go to an agent, if I'm totally honest, because... Uh, you know, if you're paying proper rates, then go to an agent because they have got tried and tested, brilliant, um, you know, people at their fingertips. And if you give them the brief, they'll find you 10 voices that fit that brief other than, ra- rather than go to a P2P site where you could be searching for a needle in a haystack. But having said that, um, you know, um, it's horses for courses. Personally, I get good, really good, high-end work from agents. And I love that. Um, But equally, I get a lot of other work that I find myself, not necessarily through P2P sites, but connections that I've made. So yes, you don't have to have an agent to get decent work. But (laughs) it does help. And if you certainly if you want to do stuff like, um, I say certainly, I'm sure there's loads of people out there that haven't. But if you want to do stuff like gaming and TV advertising, stuff like that, then, uh, you know, I think you pretty much do need an agent. I don't have an agent. I have had two. Um, One was some very small, they were both remain nameless, but one was a very small agency, um, not London-based, and they had very peculiar communication. Um, I used to get emails like, don't email us any new work. We will only communicate with you. It was very much like like them and you. And I just thought, how rude are you? So I didn't like that. So sack them off. Um, and then I had another agent, I think what's important to mention about that particular time, I thought when I started, oh, I must get an agent. So I sort of rushed out to get an agent um, and I I got one. Now, I didn't need an agent. And if I'd have shopped around or waited, at least, I probably wouldn't have fallen into that sort of debacle. And it was a bit of a strange, strange event. Um, So then I waited a couple of years and I approached a number of other agencies and I got put on the books of another one. And what I discovered was... Where I've really pushed myself to market and connect with relevant companies that that use voiceovers, I was getting auditions from that agent that I was also getting directly from my clients. And I just thought, well, I'd rather get it through my client and not pay my agency fee. So it just seemed a bit strange to me. But then 
as we all know, the voiceover industry is saturated. So you've got loads of VOs, you've got loads of agents, and there's only a certain amount of jobs. So we're, you know, there is a lot of crossover. And, well, primarily why I didn't remain on her books um, is because she didn't get me any jobs. <laughs> and I was like, fine. But I was quite successful and I was, you know, winning a lot of jobs and it, you know, it was my full-time job. And I just thought, well, this is a bit strange. And I haven't, I have not resubmitted because I don't need to, um, sort of from a financial element. And but every time I had tried, it was just our books are full, our books are closed. Our book, and I just thought, well, do you know, it's just not meant to be then. And as I as I working quite well on my own... I just thought, well, you know, when the time's right, maybe someone will want to find me. (laughs) I don't want you to come away from this episode thinking that agency representation is the be-all and end-all of your voiceover career. There are upsides to working independently. Direct client relationships, self-promotion and autonomy, and flexibility and artistic freedom. One thing I will say is that if you dream of regularly working on big TV commercial campaigns or AAA video games, then agency representation will be a big help, as they are still, for now, the gatekeepers to some of those big fee voiceover jobs. I'll be taking a look at how to source VO work yourself without relying on an agent in a later episode where we'll be looking at the importance of branding and marketing your business. Join me same time next week when I'll be spilling the tea on superpowers. A real understanding of broadcasting and the business of media. Yes, it's knowing what the director is looking for from that side of the mic. And I think when you have a job like ours, you have to be able to see things from many different angles. Oh, goodness me. Well, I wear a cape every day in the studio, doesn't everyone? Thanks for tuning in, my caffeinated comrades. If this episode has sparked any questions or comments, or you just want to connect, you can find my email address and social handles at KimberlyParker.com. If you haven't caught up with my other episodes, feel free to check them out and let me know what you think. You've been listening to Cup of VO. Until next time, 